0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Music Biz Weekly podcast. I don't even know what episode I'm up to 180, blah, 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 blah something like that. Um, I'm your co host, Michael Branvold, and I want to welcome back the original co host from Rockstar Branding Podcast, Steve Jones. Thank
1: you, sir. It's great to be it's great to be back in touch and, and catch up again. It's been a yeah, while.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely been at least a year since we've done done a Rockstar Branding podcast. Probably longer than that, I would think. Um, but lots of changes, you know. Music Biz Weekly's evolved. Rockstar Branding. I'm sort of, uh, you know, playing the whole branding game here. I sort of felt like Rockstar Branding Podcast was becoming content wise very similar to the Music Biz Weekly podcast. Right. Other I than see the that difference well. in a name. And, and, and uh, I still will do the shows with Ron Young from Little Caesar. So there's actually a Rockstar on it. Um, but the content's the same. And, and, and I just felt like, you know what? From a branding standpoint, Music Biz Weekly is the core brand. That's that's been around for over 4 years now. I just I just found episode 1 that was posted March 18th 2011. So wow. 4 years I've been working that brand. Um and I just felt like, you know what? That's the strong brand. Let's let's not let's not splinter that brand into all of these different subgenres and and you know, so I'm folding everything back into it.
1: I think that's a really wise idea and you know when i speak to um, businesses and conventions about branding the first point i hit on is the need for consistency and be the same thing over and over again i mean we make fun of acdc for playing three chords over the course of 17 studio albums but it's genius and if that's what you do and you do it really well if that's what people expect from you then deliver that and and try not to deliver too many things that distract from that
0: yeah you know I, i i kind of liken it to you know there's there's rock and roll, but then all of a sudden you've got heavy metal, and then hard rock, and then hair metal, and then pop rock, and then thrash rock, and then speed. And, 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 and it's just like prog rock, and, and you know, at, at the end of the day, you're like, well, gee, there's, what, two bands in that genre you just created?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, you're much better off focusing on what makes you, you know, you and 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 the music biz thing has been your brand and and it's done really well for you. It's it's great to see the success you've had with it.
0: So so yeah, you know, when when um Brian left, I'm not sure how many couple months ago. Um I felt like let's let's do rotating special guest co-hosts and you were one of the first ones that came to mind. I was like let's let's get Steve back on. Let's catch up Thanks, and man. see see where where you are, so update us. I mean you you had one book out when you were doing rock star branding and you were working on a second one.
1: Yeah, so Brand Like a Rockstar came out in twenty eleven. Seems like a lot of things happened that year. And um it it did, you know, which which quite quite honestly
0: was the root of the Rockstar branding podcast.
1: Right. And it's the reason you and I, you know, became acquainted and became friends and did all that and And it continues. It's an interesting thing. Like I, when I, when I wrote a second book, uh, it's called start you up rockstar secrets to unleash your personal brand and set your career on fire. And the idea is that all the lessons that were in brand like a rockstar about, um, applying the principles of musicians to the business world can apply to the personal career development field as well. So it's, it's essentially the same idea, but geared to the individual more than it is geared to the, to the business and brand. Um, the, the neat thing is that when, when Start You Up came out, I had these expectations that, well, like a musician, I knew my second album was better than my first. But my fans didn't feel the same way. But you also had your
0: entire life to write your first one, and you had, <laughs> right. you had, not in your case, but you know a lot of bands, you have six months to write your second one. So you put your entire life into one album, and then how do you make a follow-up that is even better than your entire life?
1: Yeah, and I, I, I think I fell into that a little bit because from um, from a stylistic point of view, from a writer's perspective, the second book is definitely better than the first. I'm more proud of of what I put into it as a writer, but the first book... Continues to outsell the second book, which is sort of a weird thing. In fact, when the second book came out, it reignited sales of the first book.
0: That's because debut uh, debut albums always are going to be the bestseller, right? Right. <laughs> so I'll always have my you know my
1: Boston, my more than a feeling album, and now I'm you know onto that second one. But it's it's definitely it's it's opened up new doors for me as far as speaking to other groups and companies and and conferences and things. And it's I don't regret writing a second book at all, but it has been interesting to analyze how it's gone compared to how i thought it would go it's been a really cool learning process
0: so what what sort of you know the the first one was all about rock stars and and branding lessons from acdc and kiss and and u2 and uh, jimmy buffett and yeah you know uh, a lot of great easy to absorb lessons second book how did it grow from that
1: Well, I found that there were a lot of great stories left on the table that didn't make it into Brand Like a Rockstar and were in some ways better stories, better analogies, better principles, um, but didn't quite apply to business. But they applied in other ways to personal career development. So um I, I brought a lot of those out for book number 2. I, and as I did research just there's a, such an endless array of great stories out there. So I dove into, you know, the Brown M&Ms with Van Halen which didn't make it into the first book because I thought everybody knows the Brown M&Ms and Van Halen story. Turns out, you know, not everybody does and and so the idea of um, creating systems to prevent failures yeah, made it into I'm book number sure 2. Yeah, I'm not sure many
0: people knew the real reason that right. the brown M&Ms were put in into their rider. I think they knew that there were brown M&Ms on the rider and what happened because of finding brown M&Ms but they didn't yeah. really know the like you said the system the reason for it. Right. And and for
1: those who don't know, you know Van Halen had the had the contract rider that said there'll be no brown M&Ms. If they found brown M&Ms David Lee Roth would triumphantly trash the dressing room. And it was always used as, as, as just a, uh, an example of rock star excess. But in reality, what it was was a canary in a coal mine because they needed the, 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 the local promoters to read the fine print of every single contract, every line of it, because Van Halen brought uh, gear and lighting and equipment into arenas that weren't built to handle that. So there were weight restrictions. There were all kinds of issues with what could hang from the rafters. And uh, they put that, that clause in there to make sure the local promoter read every line of the contract as to not endanger their fans or the band themselves. Um, and so that led to the idea that what are you doing in your, in your career? Are you looking after all those little details? Are you understanding that when someone goes to hire you or recruit you or examine who you are, that they look at what you've tweeted? And I mean, a great example is this week with the new host of The Daily Show, Trevor Noah, who, you know, announced on one day, triumphantly announced as the new host of The Daily Show, the next day vilified for tweets he wrote that were perceived to be anti-Semitic or anti-women. You know, obviously not every detail of his personal brand was looked after to a point where, when they made that announcement, that stuff wasn't there. Or, in advance, maybe he shouldn't have done that, or it should have been positioned differently. But that's kind of the lesson that comes out of the Van Halen story, is what are you doing proactively – to prevent shit from hitting fans. You know? Right,
0: right. You know, let, let me ask you um, a, a a branding question and and hopefully you you picked up on the news story. So yesterday um title was announced. The the web the music streaming service title. It's right. actually been out for a while. I've been a user of it for a while. It's why it's different than Spotify is it's high quality. It's it's basically like streaming a flack file yeah um it's got a huge huge catalog not quite as big as spotify but it's also cost you twice as much per month it's twenty dollars a month but as an average listener i can tell you yes i can i can notice the difference in sound quality but it, good or bad what happened was it yesterday or the day before is all these artists banded together and did this press conference to announce how they're behind it. I mean, we're talking, what was it, um, Jay-Z, Madonna, Daft Punk, Alicia yeah. Keys. It um, was A-list all the way. Was, it was it, total A-list. And they were basically like, they created a video, and I don't know if you saw the video, which was them talking about music and taking back creativity. The interesting thing was, at the end of this video clip, not once did they tell you what the product was. <laughs> not once did they even educate you on what they were supporting. And, and you know, they're, they're basically putting their brands behind this company called Tidal and saying, we, the artists, are supporting this and support Tidal because you need to support artists. Right. Um, yeah, that's not, know,
1: that's not a very strong foundation.
0: Well, yeah, so, so from a branding standpoint... You know, I'm watching this, and let's just kind of get into a discussion on this. Um, my first thought was, well, wait a second. None of you artists should be out here screaming, begging, or doing anything that you're hurting for finances. You are, as you said, all A-list artists. Yeah. You, frankly, and I, I have no idea if this is the case, but this is just me purely speculating – They're probably all involved in this because uh, the company is giving them stock in the company.
1: Right. Yeah, they probably have skin in the game. They
0: have skin in the game, and therefore that's why they want it to go. If it doesn't go anywhere, they don't make anything off of their shares. But, of course, they want it to go somewhere because if it explodes and takes off and sells to Google for $100 billion, guess what? They make a boatload of money that way. Um, It just felt like to me— Appealing to the consumers from the standpoint of, oh, we're artists, we need to be creative again, didn't really work in this situation. Because you know what? There were no indie artists there. There were no struggling artists. This was all artists that, let's be honest, they don't have to work today and they've already made more money in one day than every struggling artist will probably make in the next five years or their lifetime.
1: Right, absolutely. Um, And I think history has proven that when it comes to fans consuming what fans want, the artist's needs are essentially irrelevant. The fans don't care. I mean, Napster proved that, and the amount of people who who stream and download movies illegally proves that every day. Um, So I don't think that's a very strong platform. I think the, the quality angle of it, the fact that this is a much better sound quality, that might have some bearing. But I, I still think you're talking to a niche audience with that. because oh,
0: Agreed, completely agreed. I mean, as the only reason I'm subscribing to it is from a business standpoint of a research so I can talk about it. As a music fan, please, I don't, I don't need to spend twice as much money to get something that is, yes, sounds better, but let's be honest, my Spotify doesn't sound like crap. That's
1: the point right there. If, if I'm not asking a question as a consumer, and you have an answer to a question I'm not asking, then what's the point?
0: It's sort of like we're creating a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. Always happens out there in the internet. We've got this great solution. We're going to give you streaming of super high quality, high definition, hi-fi music. But wait a second. Who's begging to get that other than, as you said, a small niche. There are audio files out there, and I respect that there are people that like that. But it's not in my opinion a base that would sustain an ongoing business?
1: Perhaps not. I mean, the, the, the Internet's a big place and, and I don't know how many people they need to subscribe to make money but it's definitely I think it's definitely destined for a smaller group of people who are more passionate about something that the rest of us are not that picky about. Um, but you can look at the same thing in automotive like Tesla doesn't have to sell as many cars as Ford to be profitable uh, neither does Porsche or or, uh, or Lamborghini because they're premium brands. That
0: well, Apple s- is the perfect example of that.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, they Apple, don't have to sell you know, nearly s- as many
0: as you know. Samsung sells boatloads more than Apple will ever sell, but Apple's making the money.
1: Interesting thing about Apple though is never built on quality. I mean, it is quality, and a lot of their products are great.
0: It's built on but- brand.
1: It is entirely built on, on the brand and what the brand has represented from the beginning, which has been that sort of, you know, here's to the crazy ones and the dreamers and those who want to so, change so, the world. So
0: from that standpoint, Title is trying to build themselves on the brand of these handful of A-list artists and actually ignoring what Title is about. I mean, like I said, that video... Didn't even tell you what you were doing, what you as the consumer were going to be supporting, why you need it. It was all about me, the artist, me, the artist, me, the artist. I mean, jokingly, I was thinking as I'm watching this, there was probably more negotiations about how much airtime each one of these artists was going to get in the video as opposed to the actual product itself.
1: Right. Now, if you had legitimate artists who have struggled recently and who have become maybe moderately successful, or artists who continue to struggle, who, who were there saying, this is, this is uh, what the music industry needs to survive, and if we want to support each other in a Kickstarter kind of way, that this is how we can do it maybe that would resonate better. This sounds like a lot of uh, hot air from, from A-list celebrities trying to cash in.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it, it it's funny, you know, going back to, I'm sure everybody heard about the Taylor Swift Spotify blow-up, how Taylor Swift pulled her music from Spotify. Um, and and I think that's another example of the fans, listen, Taylor Swift, I don't really feel sorry for you. Right. But Bob Lefset's, Made a great point of. Everybody knows who Spotify is now. Everybody knows who Spotify is. Oh, her, Spotify her should be sending it, her a thank you card exactly. for sure. She did more to advertise and promote that company by refusing to put her music on it than could have ever been done.
1: And it's the, that's how I mean. That's how so many hip hop stars have, have come up when you attach yourself to a bigger name. When you become mentioned in the same breath as a competitor who is much more successful than you or any brand that's much more successful than you you've accessed you know their awareness and you've co-opted it for yourself and it's it's a brilliant genius move i've worked with with radio shows in the past where where a new radio show comes into a city and they're on the air trying to get attention and i said the first thing you need to do is pick a fight Pick a fight with someone way more famous. I, I think TV weathermen are great for that because they're kind of the, you know, brick tamblin of, of anchorman. They're sometimes the uh, less credible person on the news. So pick a fight with the TV anchorman. Pick a Twitter fight. Call him out on the air. Get mentioned in the same breath as him because he's way more famous than you. Or pick a fight with the mayor. If the mayor mentions you, y- you know, you've co-opted all the mayor's fame.
0: But, but you know... We, we've talked about this many times when it comes to Rockstar Branding. When you do that, and, 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 and I agree that's that's a very effective technique. I've used that many times in my other, my other um, podcast, Three Sides of the Coin, where it's like, all right, I want to get some um, attention. Well, let's call out a fan base, and they'll get all riled up because you said something. Right. But what you say has to be said from the heart and with passion. You can't just sit down in a marketing meeting and go, all right, let's make up something that we're going to get pissed about that we really aren't pissed about. Right. We actually might agree with what they're saying, but on the air we're going to say we're pissed about it. You can't do that because if you get called out back, if they call you back and the fight ensues, you've got to be able to defend your position, and you can't defend your position if it's not coming from your heart,
1: completely agree with that. In any situation, whether it's uh, a marketing situation for a band or a brand or an individual growing their career, you can build your story. You can attack others. You can make your opinion heard. All those things you can do them, but you need to do them in the context of who you are and what you represent. And in one of the you know the, in the second book, start you up. I, I go through the five the five P's of personal branding position presentation passion purpose and profit and the first one position what is it who are you what do you stand for who do you represent everything flows from that and you can sit back and say who am i and what do i represent but is that authentic is that rooted in reality because if it isn't you're you're an actor you're not um, you you, an individual. you
0: you will be taken apart very quickly, once you reach a certain level of success. So, yes. so you, you might def- decide, this is who I am, but you're a young band and you really don't have a fan base. So nobody's paying attention to you. So nobody's right. questioning who you are. Um, but a year from now, you land Vans Warped Tour and you start getting some attention. And now all of a sudden, people look back and go, wait a second, these guys aren't really like this. Look at Here's some of their old tweets. Here's yeah. some of their old Facebook posts. Here's some of their old videos they don't support this at all they're actually against it yeah so yeah that 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 that's really important that that how do how do I want to move forward with this that that it's so real and it's so genuine because once a fan base gets behind you they are going to tear it apart they are you know good and bad they want to now there's going to be people who are going to want to find your cracks
1: yes and so it better be real. It better, it better be, be rooted real. in authenticity.
0: You now, better, that- you better, you better be able to, without a script, without coaching, without rehearsing. You better be able to get on an interview and defend it with all the belief you've got.
1: Yes, uh, and that that will be interesting to see how Trevor Noah comes out of the uh, out of the Daily Show controversy. Yeah. Af- after that, because uh, I think he has a fairly defensible position. He's a comedian. He's a satirical comedian who makes satirical comments about everybody. And if you've watched The Daily Show for any length of time, you know, Jon Stewart does the same thing. He makes fun of Democrats and Republicans. He makes fun of Christians and Jews and right. Islamic people. He makes fun of, of everybody. Um, and so I think Trevor Noah has a fairly defensible position, but he's less famous. He's less loved. And people, as you said, are now on a mission to find his cracks. And that's what happens to anyone who becomes famous or notorious or well known. Immediately people look for, you know, who you really are. And these days it's pretty easy to find that stuff. It, it, it it's it, well it, archived.
0: It, it it is. You know, it's it's there's always that running running joke that if you're a politician, the first thing you should come out and is, is just admit you smoked pot. <laughs> right. Take and take, go- take away the attack that they would have on you. I, yeah, hey, I smoked pot. Yeah, I had an affair. Okay, yeah. Now, now, what are you going to do? Well, now, uh, now what and, are you going to find in my closet? Because I just um, opened my closet to you.
1: One of the top politicians in Canada, who's running for you know to be Canada's next prime minister, admitted a couple of years ago that he smoked pot at a dinner party not too long ago at his house. You know, it wasn't even an admission like like. Some of these admissions come out as an admission, but it's a lie. Like, oh yeah, I smoked pot once in college. You know, I didn't really like it. Downplay it, it. right? And he came right out and said, "No, we were at a dinner party. My kids were at their parents' house, and someone lit a joint, and I had had a few puffs of it. We
0: passed it around. Big deal. Yeah, I mean, my feeling is when that when you when you take the the initiative to be proactive like that, you you knock everybody else off. Yes." They're, yeah. Yes, they're going to be coming at you and go, what? Wait a second, you smoke pot? But what more can they say after that? Because if you really look at what happens when people are revealed, it's the reveal and then all of the shock and awe following it. Right. Um, you know, it's sort of like laugh at yourself.
1: Yep. You've taken the ammunition out of the gun, really. Um, there's some great examples in business and branding of companies who've done that. There's a recent ho- a campaign for Hotels.com and the ad, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's they, they use a character named Captain Obvious who's dressed yes. up in yes. like a captain's outfit and he's at a hotel bar and he's talking about this great app from Hotels.com that lets you book a room anywhere, anytime, in the moment. And there's a beautiful woman looking at him from across the bar and he opens the app up, and she gets up and starts to walk toward him, and just as he's about to book the room, she walks past him and embraces this guy behind him. And he turns to the camera and says, I can just put my phone away because I don't need Hotels.com right now. That Even that stupid acknowledgement that we're selling you something that you only will need at a certain time, you don't need it right now, goes against so much traditional marketing BS, which tries to sell you the product right now. It's what you need. It's a lie. You know, I just love the straightforward, put it out there. There's a there's a, a cough medication called Buckley's. If you do some searching, they're a small company, but their, their positioning statement is, it tastes awful, but it works. And that's so genius because it does taste awful. And it works. It works. <laughs> and and on a third level, it kind of plays into the human psychology that medication should kind of taste awful. If If my medication tastes like strawberry chewing gum, is it really working? And so I think that's a great opening line in the marketing is here's who we are. This is the reality. Take it or leave it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and
1: in yeah. personal branding it's just as important maybe more important because you're talking about people and people are real and you want people to essentially like you or fall in love with you for your flaws and scars and people don't fall in love with perfection nobody has a spouse who's perfect uh, and none of us are perfect
0: well I you know and I think you know with with the prevalence of the internet and social media you know um, your fans want to to know all of these faults and defects and imperfections because frankly it's something they can connect with that brings you down to their level oh my god he suffers from insomnia just like i do right and now he's a real person he's not he's not an a-list celebrity a la madonna who you know tries to portray everything as perfect it's like, so, sorry, that's bullshit. You're 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 putting on a facade, and all I want to do is actually f- prove that that's a facade. Now,
1: yes, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't uh, agree more. When you reveal yourself to be human and vulnerable, you uh, sure you put yourself out there for a certain level of ridicule. But if the internet has proven anything, it's that we're all more alike than we think we are, and what everyone has quirks, and we all have some of the same quirks. And so the internet has allowed that sort of connectivity between people who thought they were weird, who no longer are weird. And that's a really good feeling. If you're a, a, a musician and you, and you and you reveal those flaws about yourself and those scars and those, those you know, feelings that you have as an individual, you probably connect with a large number of people who went, wow, I thought I was the only one doing that. Now this guy who's famous admits that he too has this problem or this issue or this challenge. I think that's pretty powerful. Even... Even when you, uh, vulnerable, in a vulnerable way, apologize when you screw up, like like Hugh Grant did back in the early 90s when he got caught with a hooker. I mean, that was before social media. He did not need to go on The Tonight Show and apologize. Yeah, But he did, and I think that saved his career in a, in a huge way because he became, when he apologized, it's really hard to, uh, to kick people when they're down, when they're when, vulnerable. When they, when,
0: when they admitted it was a mistake— okay, you admitted a mistake. I guess I can't fault you. I was—I wanted to tell you you were wrong, but you're telling me you already were wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and
1: guys it, like Anthony Weiner could have probably saved their careers had they, well, he did apologize, but then he did it again and then apologized and did it again. I think that if you, if you come forward and say, yeah, I made a mistake, a huge mistake, and I'm going to fix it. I'm going I'm to be better. People and, will know, forgive you.
0: I, and I think it's important to remember with the internet, with Facebook, with Twitter, um. Things like that have a very short lifespan. I mean, yes. we're, we're 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 talking a day because by tomorrow something new, shocking, more revealing has come along and you know, you don't have 15 minutes of fame, you've got 15 seconds of fame now. So so don't think Yeah, and if okay, it's
1: it's still 15 seconds.
0: Yeah, don't 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 think that that's going that ridicule is going to last for Three months. Now that ridicule will be gone by tomorrow morning. Yeah, and that
1: ridicules the that that's the low hanging fruit though. That that's the stuff that people will people who have nothing better to latch on to will latch on to, But the people who see you for more than that, that are probably the ones who aren't going to necessarily tweet in your support. But people are people are much more likely online to be angry or hurtful or mean than they are to be uh, you know generous and and, and giving. So. Except that the, the negative comes first, the positive will continue. It'll just s- probably feel smaller but last longer.
0: Yeah, you know, there's, there, there's a saying that I've always loved, and I've, we've, we've talked about this before in Rockstar Branding, and it's in my KISS School of Marketing ebook. Secret to success is to offend the greatest number of people. George Bernard Shaw said that. Um, yes. Yeah you know and, 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 and yeah just think about what that means that means if if some people are really pissed about what you're doing um they're paying attention to you 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 you've done something that's worthy of somebody taking their personal time and come out and attack you and think mm-hmm. about that there you know when 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 you take your time to go write a negative review on somebody it takes a lot for you to do that. So you've caused somebody to do that. That means they've 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 come to your business, they've read your book, they've listened to your music, they've gone to a show, they've done something. They don't just write it out of the blue with no knowledge of who you are. Right.
1: It, there's a similar statement that I quote in, in my book, which is, the risk of offense is the price of clarity. The risk of insult is the price of clarity. And it's by a, an author named Roy Williams. And it's the same statement, really. If I want you to be clear about who I am and what I represent as a brand, as a band, as a musician, as a person, then I have to be willing to accept that you might be insulted by who I am as a brand or a band or or a musician or a person. You may not like me, but if you say to me, I don't like you, I don't like what you're about because you're about A, B, C, and D, then I as the individual should go, thank you. It's okay that you don't like me. I've offended you, but you know why you're offended. You know what I'm about. You know what I represent as an entity, and that to me is incredibly valuable. I think that and, – and so Spotify, back to, back to sort, of, sort of bringing it full circle, benefited tremendously from Taylor Swift because you have a much bigger mouthpiece saying, I don't like Spotify for this reason, which gives Spotify a great opportunity to say, yeah, we do have 20 million songs in our library.
0: Yeah, we like, do stream music for free. Yeah,
1: like it's, <laughs> it's fantastic for Spotify. And they get a chance to, to say their piece because they were, you know, someone was offended.
0: And, you know, and, and, and I think one, one, one point where I want to sort of try and wrap this all up is it's important to remember um, when you get that criticism, you are not going to be able to please everybody. It, it, it is literally impossible. You, it's 100% impossible to have everybody like the CD you just released. Right. Um, so don't expect that. Yeah, don't even try. Don't and, even and... try. Don't even worry about it. And and, 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 and and as you said, when that person says, I listened to it, but I don't like it because it's not this, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. That's great. That That's your opinion. Um, I love it. I recorded an album I love, and I'm very happy with it. At yeah, the, and, and end of story. Because if if you if you try to please everybody, a couple things will be guaranteed. One, you'll fail because when you try, when I try and do something that Steve likes, well, Brian might not like the change. Now, Brian liked yeah. it before, but now that I changed to make Steve happy, now Brian's unhappy. Exactly. And when you start doing that you're also going to be unhappy with, with your work because now you're, now you're creating your art to please what other people are expecting you to do, yeah. not what you do.
1: Think about it in um, restaurant terms. If you owned an ice cream store, ice cream stand, and you sell 30 flavors of ice cream and you take a survey, it says, you know, which is the flavor people like the least? And you get rid of that flavor. And you do that again and again and again. You keep getting rid of what people don't like. You eventually end up selling one flavor of ice cream. And that's not an ice cream store. Right. You, you, you cannot be who you are based on what people who would never like you don't like. If, if say, I don't like your CD because I'm not into acoustic folk rock and you sound like Bob Dylan, then you can say, great. Because if you're not into acoustic folk rock and you don't like me because of that, and I make acoustic folk rock, I never had a chance with you. It's perfectly acceptable that you don't like me. But there's probably a lot of people out there who are looking for that next Bob Dylan sound, and you're a potential candidate for that. Just accept that if people don't like you, the only thing I would caution you, if people don't like you because they don't know about you, they don't know enough about you, they don't know you well enough, that's a problem. But if people don't like you because of who you are and what you represent, then that is perfect.
0: Yeah, if if they've taken the time... To listen to your music and then formed an opinion, that's a valuable critique. That's valuable criticism. Yep. If somebody just looked at your cover and said, I don't like your music, listen, don't even don't even worry about it. I mean their 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 opinion has zero value to you. Yes. Because they absolutely. didn't listen. At least listen and give me the opinion back.
1: Yep. But it's very important early on to accept and even, you know, when you're when you're much more successful, it's easier because you're rich and famous and don't care. But in those early days where you're struggling to get by, that criticism can really hurt. But you've got to have that thick skin to say, if people don't like me and they know why they don't like me, that's that's not a criticism. That's a comment. That's a comment and probably a compliment that you've done something well. You've established with, with a degree of clarity what you're about, which is almost as important as being talented and skilled at what you do. If people know what you're about, that's that's the probably the first big key.
0: If 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 you love your art and are confident in it, that will show through and people will will support you because of your confidence. Yeah. Um, you know and, and it's funny, I've I've never been in a band. Um I've worked with bands my entire life, but it wasn't until I started doing the Three Sides of the Coin, the KISS talk show that I did, which was three other people, or three people total, that I finally understood the band dynamic. And because the show has taken off so much, that now I understand the fan demand that bands get. And, sure. and um, it's, it's very eye-opening. But at the same time, I've you know I'm sitting here using my own advice that I give you guys when I do this show, where it's like, yeah, great, you just told me the show sucked, but I know you didn't listen to the show because you just asked a question that was answered in the first five minutes of the show. Um, that confidence in what you're doing um, brings in other fans. Other people will, will find that confidence, and they get behind you, and they're like, yeah, this guy's really – really believes in his music, really standing behind what he's doing. He's not giving in to the, the haters, the critics, the, the 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 people who wrote the bad review. He's still going to keep doing what he loves. That's awesome that you're doing that, that you're not flip-flopping to a new style of music every year because that one didn't work, so let's try this one. and let's Right. Try I this mean,
1: one. I, I bring up Bob, Bob Marley when I talk to marketing conventions about that same uh, topic. When he started making reggae, the word reggae didn't even exist. It wasn't even a word. He just made the music that was in his heart. He just made music influenced by the sounds he heard growing up. He wrote songs about being Rastafarian. He wrote songs about being poor. He wrote songs about being mixed race in a black island. He wrote songs about beaches and sunshine. And when, when reggae became huge, Bob Marley became huge, but it was never his mission to just compromise to get rich. Right. He had core values and stood up for them and people got behind them and said, yeah, he represents that to me. And and that's why to this day he remains one of the biggest selling artists of, of our generation.
0: Yeah. You know, I, at, at the end of the day, and this is just me speaking as the person who creates content for my my other talk show. If you can live happily with what you've created, your body of work. I think that is the ultimate success if other people love it on top of that that's freaking gravy that yes. that that makes it even sweeter that's the icing on the cake but if you made a cake that you yourself have loved and and go you know i that was the best cake i've ever made i don't care if anybody else ever tasted it but i loved it awesome that that's yeah. that you that, that uh, you know when you're long gone that will live on. Your CD will live on. Your book, your movie, your talk show, whatever it is, will live forever on the Internet. And 50 years from now, are you proud of that work?
1: Yeah. And the odds of other people liking it go up exponentially when you actually feel
0: passionate
1: and have that confidence where you go, you know what? If you don't like it, that's fine. I love yep,
0: it. Yep. Yep. Steve, this was an awesome talk. Love, I love talking branding with you. Love, um, love catching it's, up like this. It's um, a blast. Where, where can, um, where can our viewers and listeners find you on the internet?
1: Well, I'm still at uh, brandlikearockstar.com. dot com, and I still blog there, although not as frequently. But I try to post, you know, a couple times a month. But there are five years worth of uh, blog posts there to be absorbed and soaked in. And then, you know, on, on Amazon, uh, the books are for sale there, Brand Like a Rockstar, and the second one is called Start You Up, and they're both, uh, they're both available on Amazon and other online booksellers.
0: Physical copies as well as Kindle and stuff?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, all the different platforms.
0: Awesome. Steve, this was awesome. It was great catching up.
1: Well, it's great to catch up with you, too. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: So, guys, one, one little bit of housekeeping before I hit the stop button. I'd love it if if you found this show useful, head over to Apple iTunes. Search for Music Biz Weekly Podcast. You'll find it there. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. It's a great way to get feedback. If you're on YouTube or you're on Spreaker or um, SoundCloud of all the various places, feel free to leave comments there. You've got comments or questions for Steve. Leave them there. I'll make sure that they get to Steve. Um, but feedback is really important. And like I said... Give us a review and a rating on iTunes. That really helps in iTunes' eyes to decide if you're noteworthy, if you're a hot, hot podcast, that type of stuff. So um, until next week, thanks, everyone. Thanks.